Hey gang, welcome to episode 215 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro studio, aka the kitchen table in Los Angeles. This week on the show, John Henningsen, the artistic director of Thymele Arts. Thymele Arts, which is also uh, the location of No Pro headquarters here in Los Angeles, uh, is coming in uh, to talk. Uh, we're going to talk about Thymele, what it is, how it works, uh, what the vision is. And then we bust into like a long philosophical discussion. Uh, and at one point I ask a question and then John turns it on me and I have no idea how long I, I talk for. So uh, you get a no rant in the middle of the episode because uh, John made a critical mistake. He asked me to answer my own question. Uh, so I'm going to spare you uh, a rant in the back end of the show. What I am going to give you is this. There is a bunch of stuff on the site right now that I want to direct your attention to. First off, we're starting some new, uh, some new columns. Uh, we're putting up think pieces now. I hate calling them the think pieces, but nevertheless, that's, that's what they are. Just ideas. Uh, the first one is a bit, um, it's from me. Uh, it's called those who play, uh, Notes on building the immersive audience. I keep forgetting the subtitle, uh, but that's what it's about. It's notes on building the immersive audience. And something interesting happened in that uh, our friend Michael Anderson of uh, ARGN.com, uh, th- those are the folks who, who track alternate reality games, he wrote, his, he wrote a response. Um, so Michael wrote a response uh, called Those Who Watch, uh, kind of uh, reflections on his... Uh, a reality TV obsession and just it, it's this wonderful um, list and and kind of potpourri uh, potpourri no cornucopia cornucopia potpourri is the thing you smell cornucopia is the chock full of produce um, things that are good for you so that one um, <laughs> just uh, things from uh, YouTube and the alternate reality game world that are meditations on uh, just how play works and designing uh, interactive works for all kinds of audiences. So I encourage you not only to check out my piece, but definitely check out Michael's piece. And there is a great Twitter thread that he did that links to even more um, bits that uh, came out in a live stream that we attempted to do this week. So uh, for the past month, we've been doing live streams on YouTube, and for those who've watched, you know they've been technically shaky. I don't know if it's uh, the internet in my house or that uh, you know YouTube just sucks. Um, I'm going to go with the latter because, frankly, Google loves to change things uh, that work. Uh, you know, Google Reader, Google Photos, uh, anything you've ever relied on. Google Hangouts on air, uh, anything that just, you know, worked fairly flawlessly and everyone was happy with, well, Google doesn't want you to be happy. Google wants you to suffer all the time. So uh, we've been trying it the new way. It doesn't work. So uh, we're giving up on live streams for uh, the immediate future. We are going to pivot into um, doing some of this, this 
kind of host chat and everything immersive team chat uh, in podcast form. So uh, hold on your hats because uh, the next one up, uh, David Spira and Anthony have a special guest coming on board uh, ahead of the launch of uh, the new season of Survivor. So we'll get some information about that soon and direct your attention to where that's going to live um, because we haven't quite figured out yet. Um, My suspicion is that uh, after that couple of episodes, we're going to fall into kind of a, a host-focused uh, weekly podcast that, uh, by host, I don't mean me, uh, like the team. I'll say that again, a team-focused weekly podcast uh, that probably lives on our Patreon, um, it uh, or at least lives on our Patreon as a timed exclusive and then maybe makes it over into the main feed. We're, we're playing around with some stuff, and I want to make sure that we're giving our Patreon backers um, you know, uh, given the first crack at a few things, uh, if, if we do that, it'll probably just be at the dollar level, uh, because I don't, I don't want to, if I could do all this stuff for absolutely free and not ask anyone any money for it. And I mean, everything from organizing the events to trying to pull Leia together to like sending people out to like, you know, I'd love to send a team out to evermore. Uh, I'd do it. Uh, but I, I try to win the lottery and it doesn't happen. So instead we have to do things that involve cash. So there might be some timed exclusives on the Patreon, but the content will get to everybody um, in due time. Here's something, speaking of money, uh, that I can give, kind of give, to you. We've got discount codes here in Los Angeles for Delusion Alt Deletes Friends and Family Preview Weekends. You can check that out on the site. Look for it in the show notes. There's a discount code. It's good this weekend and through the rest of September uh, to check out the brand new uh, mini delusion that's happening at Dragon and Meeple. And if you do that, you can also sign up for our game night and talkback, which is October 9th at the Dragon and Meeple. Uh, John Braver is going to be there. Carl Choi is going to be there. I'm going to moderate. And the Dragon and Meeple is going to waive the tabletop game fee. So we're going to get to play for free that night at the Dragon and Meeple and uh, talk with John and Carl and have a grand old time. It is a good old fashioned meetup. And that is October 9th in Los Angeles. Again, the Dragon and Meeple for Delusion Alt Delete. Check the site for those discount codes. Another event coming up where you can run into us, uh, Ricky Briganti, uh, who's got a column coming next week for us, of Pseudonym Productions, one of our, our, our co-stakeholders in Everything Immersive. Uh, he's going to be giving a keynote at the Vancouver International Film Festival Immersed, which is a VR, AR, and XR uh, conference that's happening at VIFF. Um, this is really exciting because it's great to see um, the film world acknowledging what's going on. And I'm going to be moderating the panel um, when the jury, uh, who, there's a competition, when the jury talks uh, in front of everybody at the end of the day. So Ricky and I are kind of bookending VIFF Immersed. There's also, uh, I think, Bruce Vaughn of Dreamscape's going to be there. There's folks from Samsung. Uh, there's folks from Verso. There's just all kinds of executives and creatives uh, looking at the future and uh, the next wave of uh, experimental storytelling in XR. So um, come on down. 
if you're in Vancouver or uh, if you're going to be at VIFF, uh, you should really check it out. Um, links to that on the site as well. That is not this weekend, but next weekend. And in the meanwhile, uh, Oculus Connect 6 is going to be happening. We had a couple of team members who are going to be at that. So look for just a lot of coverage in the next week. And that's even on top of all the haunt stuff that's going on. Uh, we got a video from House of Creep, uh, which went up last week. And um, we, we're gathering even more. We got two more inside immersive videos are, are being edited even as I speak. Um, yeah, there's just there's there's a lot. There's a lot going on, all of which is brought to you by our generous Patreon backers. Our latest backers are Ross Tipograph and Silan Ecker. Esser? Esser? Oh, sorry. Um, we're up um, We're up 15 bucks and four patrons for the month. So yay, we're, we're back in the black. Um, of course, we need a lot more to keep this going. Uh, we, we live on borrowed time. So uh, we're still, you know, about $3,000 a month shy of what we need to keep this happening um and we are exploring uh, some other ways to do things um don't worry it's not it's not on all your backs but it helps a lot when the community comes through and like i said a dollar five dollars for those who want to give more there's a nine dollar level um uh, that's what we ask of folks uh and yeah patreon.com slash no proscenium the sustaining backers of no proscenium are mark balthazar jan budman paul f lonnie hands on ari hurston sam kinkin and samuel mustry thank you all for keeping us um going for being the backbone and our spine here um all right one of the people who's the backbone and a spine of the community is john henningsen of thymeli arts uh they give us a desk um we're, we're, we're able to have a, a mailing address, which gets mentioned. <laughs> oh, God, that's right. It gets mentioned. Um, we're able to function almost like we're a legitimate business, thanks to John. And uh, he's an integral part of the Speakeasy Society as well. Um, the, we, we kind of start kind of, it almost feels like a getting to know you at the beginning of it. And we kind of lay out the basics of Thymeli. But um, once we get through that part of the discussion, we definitely get into it about uh, just uh, the future of immersive and the future of immersive in LA. So uh, this is a long one, but stick around. It gets really good. So um, we'll have John back on the show sooner than later. Uh, maybe on one of those uh, one of those team episodes. I think that's pretty, that sounds good. All right, let's roll the tape. <laughs> Honestly, tell everybody this is always just a conversation. So, uh, which we were already just having. So, right. hello. Um, okay, um, John, where are we sitting right now? Right now, we are in. Well, it's debatable. We're at Thymeli <laughs> Arts. We are at the Thymeli Arts location at five four eight one Santa Monica Boulevard, right on the corner of Western and Santa Monica. Oh no! Now people can find me when I'm here. What? <laughs> we're on the second floor, so it's like the the we have the whole second floor. It's a loft. Uh, space uh, within Thymeli, we are in. Uh, could have been called the the cell phone room. Mm. Uh, used to be a private office, yeah. but now those 
Uh, those guys have graduated out of the office, and we are in in the cell phone room for the resident artists. And now they graduated out of the office because I I think the reason I'm having you on today is kind of talk about Thymeli, uh, big picture, and what you do, maybe a little bit about your work with the Speakeasy yeah. Society. But um, this this concept that someone would graduate out of the office stems from what you what, what your mission here is. So, yes, yeah. we are a performing arts incubator. So what most people see the space as is rehearsal rooms, event space, that sort of stuff. But at the core of our our mission is to have. I'm just I'm indicating, John, that like you just want to bring it down just a little bit. Oh, right, yeah, right yeah, here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. mic placement is everything. Yeah, you yeah. Get, not straight on because of plosives, so just a little off to the side. Right. So, keep uh, going. so the core of our mission is um, a performing arts incubator space. So what uh, we hope to do is we have different artists that are using the office space. There's a shared desk space within Thymeli. And then those resident artists have a certain amount of free time within the building, all the different rehearsal rooms. And kind of the goal is for someone to come in that has a project. You start out small in the Kansas room, work your way up to the California room, up to the dance studio, and eventually into the common room with 150 seats and to be able to do a performance or something like that. Now, earlier when we were talking about uh, someone graduating, we had uh, Nightlight Labs, which were here. When we first started, the office wasn't even built out. This room didn't exist. Uh, they came in and they had two people sitting at a desk in the corner of the office. Um, and then they got a third person, and they got two desks in the corner of the office. Um, and then this room, when we built this section out, they put all three people into this office space. Uh, and then they started renting additional desks as they hired more people. And then finally they had talked about renting one of the rooms or like expanding what the next step was. Um, and it just became, uh, it got to the point where they were uh, stable enough they were on their feet that they went out and they have their own office space they went and rented a space out in uh, Glendale Atwater so now our my little my little birds have have flown the nest and those cats they do a lot of uh, projection mapping uh, projects projection mapping di digital walls yeah. that sort of stuff they're fantastic nightlight labs yeah and Glendale Atwater is a, a good spot for them because of kind of how close it is to the uh, theme park industrial complex yes. if, uh, as, yeah. as it were um, and, and, you know, we, we mention it, uh, it's, it's on every post at NoPro and we mentioned it on the show when I, when, when I remembered it, uh, that, uh, NoPro has its own headquarters here. So like I have a desk, uh, over here. You had a, a desk here, a mailbox. That's you can right. send stuff to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to NoPro here at, uh, at that address that he mentioned earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's easy enough to look up, but like, I just don't want to encourage them. Um, <laughs> spam's bad enough as it is. Uh, real life spam. Oof. What if someone said, what if people actually spent, sent act? I mean, I know some people like spam, so I don't want to denigrate it in entirely. But like, pumpkin spice spam. I know. You know that? I was, That's I was literally thinking about that when I was saying it. It entered <laughs> into your brain. And now we're thinking, now everyone's thinking about it. What did you do to those people? Poor people. Um, I mean, because like uh, it's a it's 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 got its a clear role in some cuisines. I just had traumatic experiences with it as a child, but now I'm envisioning be, people sending me spam. I will be happy to stack cans and cans of spam upon your desk as people send it. <sighs> Address it to Noah Nelson. God, it's gonna happen. No proscenium. 
right here in Los Angeles. Oh boy. Well, if they just do that, <laughs> maybe I'll just like Santa Claus will just wind up somewhere stacked It'll up be in, the a, mail in a mail room. You really room. are so, Santa. You know, <laughs> Spamta Claus. Um, I should be careful. John was drinking water. Luckily, he did not laugh at that. Um, so how do you? You, you got want the this, history of family? Yeah, <laughs> that's theoretically what we're here. Because, like, I mean, some folks might know you yeah. as being as as being part of the team at the Speakeasy Society. I also do that. Yeah. Um. And and that's how I think a lot of people in the LA community have met you. Well, actually, no. I bet you, like, now now it's probably like twenty five seventy five. There probably more people have met you uh, as the guy who owns Thymili than as 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 Lyman in the Kansas Collection or as uh one of the, as the one of the producers. For yeah, it's kind of a mix. There are a lot of people that when I'm at a speakeasy event uh, and like running box office or something like that, and I'll mention Thymele, they're like, oh, where did you hear about Thymele? I was like, well, <laughs> I heard about it many years ago. Uh, bec- yeah, I just don't have a forward face here. At, well, a lot of times when you're doing events, I'm either back in the office or I'm somewhere else. So it's not really... Uh, me front and center so I think people are more and more now understanding my role uh, in the organization but yeah this is a a a dream that I had many years ago Um, we've been open for about let's say we've been open for about three years yeah Um, are yeah we've been doing a lot of stuff over the three years (laughs) Uh, right after I graduated from grad school, I was looking around. I wanted to do something like this. I wanted to do, I went to grad school with this idea. The original idea was to actually uh, start a theater complex where the, the, the building would have a costume shop, a scene shop, uh, offices for theaters, and then a performance space. And then I would work with uh, people who wanted to come in and do shows, directors and actors, producers, um, and then just help them produce a show, help them like whatever you need. I have everything here. Uh, and when I, I looked around LA, there's a lot of costume shops. There's a lot of scene shops. There's a lot of people already doing that. And what people don't have is rehearsal space. Yeah. What people don't have is that community space. A lot of people are uh, rehearsing in their living rooms or in... Um, I saw post someone was doing a, like a corporate, they're in a lawyer's office, like a boardroom somewhere. Yeah. Where, yeah. Anywhere you can get, you go. Yeah. Well, to, to your point there about like, there's a lot of costume shops. There's a lot of uh, scene shops. It's like one of the reasons why so much work still happens in LA is because the infrastructure is all here. Right. Right. Like anything you want to make a thing, it is here. Right. Supported right? a lot by the by the television industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The t- TV and film. I mean, it's it's even with runaway production over the course of years, and then that cycles through. I think there's even like a dip. I think some of that's dipped out because I think some of the the other states have have started to dry up their tax incentives right. uh, because they're like, oh, this is really panning out for us. So now it's kind of like here in Georgia, I feel like the last you know the two big spots in in America, but that's the thing you drive around LA and it's like, there's a costume shop, there's a scene shop, there's this, there's that. There's it's just shops everywhere, everywhere, yeah. everywhere, just around corners. Like you'll be a little residential neighborhood and like, no, there is a massive studio there. Yeah. And like they're, they got stuff neat. So like, yeah, it's also, I think one of the reasons why LA kind of goes to bed earlier than you think it would because everyone's got a 4am call. Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, why a, are there no late night diners? It's because, because everyone's got a 4am call, you know, I had a friend come in from out of town and we were driving around doing the touristy thing 
And I said, so what else, what else do you want to see in LA? He said, I really would like to see a studio. Like I'd like to drive by one of the studios. And I was like, but we, we've driven by a lot of studios. <laughs> we like, and then it just started pointing out like that warehouse there, that building right there. Like these are all studios. Yeah, it's not what you not what you see on TV. Yeah, I mean, but it also, I mean, like you drive by Paramount or whatever. Right, yeah, you can right. go that's, to that. That's what they always mean. You can go on the tour. Yeah, which yeah, it's actually not so bad. Okay, so you you <laughs> so wanted family, and we'll get to the name in a second too, because like you know, uh, yeah. people people often wondering what what it's. But so you you looked around, you saw all that stuff. And I saw you that said, we really needed space. a community, really needed rehearsal space, and then for about a year, I went around to. Uh, I just looked at a bunch of different buildings. I looked at trying to find the right spot, trying to find the right location for it. I also sent out a uh, like a questionnaire to a bunch of different artists to see what they were looking for in mm. a rehearsal space. And then uh, on my way home one day from my day job, I saw this for rent sign on this building that we're in right now. And as I walked through, there were these gigantic windows throughout the space. Um, and what a lot of people don't realize is it used to be one big room, the common room, and then all of the rehearsal rooms down the side of the building uh, was all one big L-shaped room. So seeing all of those windows and then walking into kind of the hallway area, and it's a full skylight in the entire hall. And I was like, this is, this is an art gallery. This absolutely is an art gallery. Um, so yeah, as soon as I saw it, and I just saw that there was that potential there, and and hopped on it. It took us about, I, throughout this interview, I will say us, but <laughs> I am the the sole owner proprietor of the of Thymeli. Um, I do have a lot of staff and a lot of people that are helping out. So yeah, it took us about six months to to build out the walls and get it up to a place where it was usable. And then six months later, we went back through and redid all the flooring and added these offices. And then now we're still, like last week we painted the lobby and we're still we're yeah. still doing that. Yeah, there's it's it's constantly evolving. Yeah, I mean like like even the the advent of this room was like I was like oh where the guys go and what is it now? It's like oh it's a room you can talk on your phone and it's like great done. Yeah, right. Um, That's what we always it's trying to figure out what the artists need. Yeah, and then how can we carve that corner into Thymaley? How can we, how can we support the artists? Well, and, and one, I mean, not just rehearsal, but there's, there's a lot of performance that happens here, particularly around the Fringe Festival. And Sure. And, well, and that's yeah. one of the things that we really were striving for from the beginning. Every room is built to be flexible. So every room is a, at one time, a meeting room, a rehearsal room, and a performance space. So definitely the California room, the Kansas room, and the, con well, now all of them, uh, uh, Kansas room, California room, common room, and the dance studio, everything in the main building um, has a full LED lighting setup, has a basic sound system that people can use, yeah. and then we've got chairs and seating. And we also do a lot of immersive stuff here. A lot. Um, because I understand immersive and kind of understand what people are want to do and a lot of times i can say well what if you used this because i've done it with the yeah. speakeasy well and that's i mean before during the run-up during during the build out of oh Thymeli yeah was uh chapter two of the kansas collection back in the day was here was actually in uh the office yeah. area that's where the the first time we did it the tent was there 
And then for those of you who know chapter two, the lion pull off was in uh, the California room. And that was just when the stud balls were up, there wasn't anything more than just two by fours. Yeah, it's two by fours and sheets. Yeah. Like things were divided up by a tent and some sheets and we had quilts you know. all over the common room yeah. for the, the patchwork. Yeah. Um, and then as we as the walls got built and things kind of changed, we also did one for uh, the fringe where we combined one and two. Um, but eventually the yeah, we moved it over to the dance studio because that's the largest space that could hold that. But we've done we've done immersive uh, in the new studios, the stacks, which are over by the parking garage. Um, there's been other companies that have come in and done shows, immersive shows in the dance studio. Uh, several shows have gone on in the Kansas room. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of less, a lot of possibility. Yeah, no, there's there, there's not a space in this location that hasn't been used. I mean, Leia, we've done a lot of town halls here, mm-hmm. um, and it's just it's it's sort of the hub. Like, it's technically it is fringe east uh, at times during oh, that's you making some faces. So uh, <laughs> it's not an official. <laughs> it is a a, a fringe. We try to make it a, a hub yeah. for the Fringe Festival, but it is not. It can't be branded Fringe East. Gotcha. It is not part of the Fringe infrastructure. Yeah. Well, I'm the Fringe. There's some there's some mushiness around the it way people the think about it. Yeah. East side of the Fringe. Yes. It is not Fringe, fringe East. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but it's also sort of functioned as the immersive hub during during the Hollywood Fringe. Like, yeah. I think that's, 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 that I can say with full confidence about how it's colloquially spoken of. And we um, try as much, again, with the rehearsal space, but also the community space. L.A. is so spread out, and there's so many different um, tiny little hubs. There's so many different theaters that have small lobbies. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a theater. It has the seats bolted into the floor, and there's a stage. Um, what we really want to do is develop that community. So that common room is purposefully set up as there are couches, there are dining room chairs. There's it's very much relaxed where people can gather. Yeah. Why was this the dream? Why did you Why did you want to do this? Well, you know. Um. Uh, so I've done everything in theater. I've done everything. Um. I, I really started out as a stage manager uh, doing freelance in Chicago. And then I realized that in the time that I could do one rehearsal period as a stage manager, I could prop three shows so I could get paid more by doing three different productions. And then when I really started, I worked my way up through management, was the uh, education director of a theater and then became the artistic director of a theater. Um, I realized at that point uh, I could stay with one theater and kind of move them through the process or I could open up a hub like this and I could work with a bunch of different theaters. So the being here, I get to interact with so many different artists and so many different projects and different disciplines too. Just in the resident artist office, we've got experimental, uh, like a puppeteer, we've got a, someone who's writing a musical, we've got um, a leadership organization, we've got someone else who's writing a television show, um, we've got a, there's just so many different um, aspects and parts of art um, that I get to interact with on a daily basis, as opposed to being with one organization uh, following them through. And it lets you like 
unless you reuse parts of your skill set like all the time right right with but on new puzzles right because like that's the difference like when you're inside an org and you're just doing that it's like it's like okay well, we, we make this product and we crank it out and it, it becomes cyclical and it's like these different right. you know parts of the year but like the process always you know not only is the process wind up being the same but the result kind of winds up feeling the same um and, and it's the yeah to, for the most part the same community yeah it's the same uh when i worked at a yeah the theater in kansas where i'm from um like we would do annie every five years yeah and the audience loved it oh yeah and then the yeah. the little kids would grow up through the process every five years oh it's like up in the bay area american conservatory theater did uh christmas carol yeah like every and and there's there's there it becomes a tradition. It becomes a tradition, and and there's even certain jobs like it's like uh, you know that are almost like rites of passage. Right. It's like oh, the kid handler on Christmas Carol at ACT was a rite of passage for many a Bay Area theater professional in their career. Right. People who now are artistic directors of other theaters, yeah, like like they had to serve their time doing that. Um, they pay pay well, their dues, and that was kind of with Annie when we did that, like the because it was every five years that yeah, the, the little, the youngest orphan right. then would work their way up and become Annie and then would be like this, the New York starlet and then would be Hannigan and like just work their way through the process. Did um, one finally get all the way that. to Mrs. Havisham? At any yeah. Point? yeah mm-hmm. I can't, it. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I discovered uh, I played early every on role in that, Annie. <laughs> uh, I did Oklahoma three times in one year and I was like, you know, there's, there's got to be something else. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, I get to use, I get to use those skill sets and kind of the, what I know to help out uh, artists, young organizations, kind of get them up on their feet and then, um, yeah, let them fly the nest. Hopefully they've got a good project and then can go out and perform. Now you're part of one immersive theater company here in town, but you do deal with a lot of folks. Um, Give me your impression of of LA's immersive verse. You're giving me this look like, why are you making me do this right now? It's like, guess what the show is, John? Right. (laughs) Where do you think you are other than your own business establishment? So, um, it's, it's super exciting, quite honestly. I mean, I was just looking at, uh, the calendar, uh, and when, well, when we did the immersive 101, yeah, we did a class on like how to do, uh, how to write immersive, how to create an immersive piece, and what is an immersive piece, and that was two we're, years ago. Yeah, and we're, we're o- yeah, it's been two years. We're overdue for yes, that one should be annualized. Or but else, I yeah. look at, I just think of the people who are in that room. Oh yeah, and then now they're out producing, and they've produced. There are several people who are in that room as students who produce a bunch. Who've produced a bunch, done yeah. a lot of shows. Well, and and let's be clear, like. You know, a lot of them were already theater producers in their own right, but right. they came through to like kind of like what is this immersive thing? Yeah, and now they're they're cornerstones of the LA community. Yeah, they they were coming to kind of get get oriented. I mean, and we did that specifically as a as a it was it was branded as like oh this is a one, immersive one on one for Fringe, and we said okay how many people are are, are planning to do Hollywood <laughs> Fringe? And like a third, yeah. and everyone else was just like they were there for the, for the just thing, and we're just like, oh okay. So that's the exciting yeah. from I mean I think it. Really, I mark it as that point. There are several. There, I mean, there's pe- people have been doing immersive for a while, but at that point, there's just there was so many people 
that then the community grew, the creator community grew. And it yeah. was exciting to see uh, now as I like to think that LA is kind of determining what immersive is or is kind of um, or our version of immersive. Um, and it's just exciting to see the the depth and breadth of the immersive community now and how many people are producing and how many people are putting out uh, quality content. I mean, we're, we're inching into October now and it's just, yeah, there's so much out there. Well, we're inching into October and, and there's also a lot of stuff that isn't haunt season related this time of year, which is quite unusual from previous years. And then, I mean, it's a little part of the formulation for me is that without walls is coming up and that's down in San Diego, which isn't far. And that's, that's a big biennial, um, site specific and immersive festival. Uh, so that enters into my formula, but there's, there's just a, there's a lot of variety of work and super exciting just to see what, yeah, to see what is coming out and what people are doing and what the things that you just never would have thought of or new and exciting. I mean, me as a working with the Speakeasy Society and producing our content, but then also being able to see um, other shows and what they're doing and a source material and how they interact. And then again, to see them at the box office and call them my friend. Yeah. Um, where... Well, what, 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 I mean, what trajectory do you see or for this community at the moment? For the immersive community yeah, in Los yeah. Angeles? The tra- these are hard questions. We did not discuss this before. Yeah, you know, like this is not, this, is, this show is rated <laughs> E for effort. So, uh, <laughs> the trajectory of immersive theater in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, that yeah, yeah, it's a hard question. It's just gonna. Well, well let me let me let's, let's think about that one for a little bit. Let, let it boil in the back of your head because I got another question I can give you. Yeah. Um, uh, stepping into your role as incubator and educator, um, <laughs> this won't be an easy question, but I think you might be more prepared. <laughs> like, what are what are some what are some first timer mistakes you see people make that uh, that that you think they could be prepped for ahead of time like what what what, you know someone's young someone's new someone's been to a lot of shows but it wants to make something sure where 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 should they be starting what 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 especially with immersive the people say like oh the improv was so great the improv there's there should be no improv (laughs) maybe no is a, a strong word there should be very little improv um, just anticipating what the, if you're giving the audience a choice, choices, if you're giving an audience a choice, um, try to anticipate what those, what the consequences of those will be, um, what the possible answers are and, and like have that ready. Um, there's a lot of, it's just scripting it. Um, I think a new to immersive people have the idea that it is improv and they come in with a concept and it's a really they've got a strong concept but they don't take the time to truly like map out like a like a video game what are the different options and where could this go and if things go horribly wrong what is that moment what is what is that monologue that four sentence little chunk that gets us back on track so that we can finish out the show um, yeah, relying on that script and relying on the writing 
and really thinking stuff through. That's a lot of times where I find as people come in, they're just not prepared for all the things that could could go n- not according to plan. Yeah. And rarely do things go according to plan. I would also point out the like the safety issues. Mm. And um, I know during the here a couple months ago, I also like tapped into you. There's a lot of stuff on no proscenium about kind of safety and where we are as a community, but just thinking through what is, what is acceptable for you and your friends at your house is not necessarily acceptable to a paying audience or to a public performance. Um, And just, Again, thinking through how could this go wrong? Yeah. And then let's make it so it, it doesn't go wrong. There's an article, the day we're recording this is uh, the 16th, and there's an article that was getting circulated about uh, from the um, the Wolf of Wall Street that's happening in London. Uh, and the people who produce that, you know, they've given panic buttons to their... Sure. Um, to their... Um, cast members uh partly some things that they learned uh from watching like the great gatsby uh production and then these some out there there's some horror stories and like in london equity starting to look at it and like what can we do around performance safety i was having a conversation with uh amber justman um last night about um about about actor vulnerability and there's some things like in this space that um there's so much power in an actor making themselves emotionally vulnerable um uh, and, and getting to where things are are kind of pushing past the artifice into something that that is real, even if it's fictional. Right. So I often like to talk about it. But there are some real questions around like emotional safety for performers. Like how many times can you do that? Right. Like what are you really asking people to do when you ask them right. to do certain stuff? And what is that duration? How yeah. many times? And what is the the duration of that? There's also if you're doing a one off, it's it, it's you and then it's one actor and one audience member or one actor and three audience members in a dark closet. Yeah. Like what is the safety and if something does go wrong, wh- how do how do you get out of that? I have a, a, a lot of background in haunted houses um which is uh, has the same mechanics at times as immersive theater. Um but we always we had those panic, we had those symbol, those signals to when a performer needed to get out of a situation without breaking the situation, or either way, just breaking the situation. Um, I also have horror stories of of people coming to a haunted house would they'd be intoxicated, and um, an actor or a, a representative trying to discipline them or something, and it's just yeah, the, everything went wrong. Um, someone, one of the staff of the haunted house followed the drunk patron uh, to the parking lot and the the staff member was wearing an ear set and they had their mic on so everyone in the house could hear well that drunk patron uh, got upset and decided to fight the staff member and proceeded to uh, beat them in the parking lot their mic was on so everyone could hear everything was going on yeah Yeah. there's a lot of someone around stop it like yes yeah, yeah. eventually but yeah. you still you still heard the beginning of it yeah yeah well, me sitting with the the nice the clown room over yeah. here where everything was nice and fine and then hearing that yeah 
that's it. That's we've we've gone off track. That's an extreme yeah. version. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but but something. I mean, it is something. I mean, what what you're prepping your audience for? I mean, the, I, I mean, there is this question of like you know, at the end of the day, you cannot. If someone comes in with the intent to harm, and or the intent to break the to break the show, yeah, to, with the intent, to, yeah, even just with the intent to break the show, yeah. right? But like, well, I almost want to take you to that 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 you know that extreme. Like someone comes in with an intent to do do something malicious, yeah, and if they successfully conceal it, it's like yeah, like it's it, it's it's hard to prepare for that, right? But there's a lot that. A, a production team can do to signal expectations of behavior, right? Like, because right. if you if both you, signaling expectations of behavior, um, educating the audience. Yeah. Even now, there are people who don't know what they're getting into if they think it's a haunted house or they think it's a whatever. Um, but then also the creating those backstops. So educating the audience to what you can and cannot do within that situation, the rules room. Uh, we do that in haunted houses a lot, um, and then creating that that safety. So, what happens when everything goes wrong? Yeah. How can we protect the both the performer and the audience member? Yeah. Because this effectively, when this stuff is operating at a really high level, it's a high wire or a trapeze act. Right. And you've got the performer and the participant up there, and they are doing it together. Right. And someone loses their balance, they're going to fall. Right. And you, you need some kind of net. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, 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 even the, if it seems like there isn't a net, right. There should, should be, be a, a net, net at some point. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's, it's particularly cause you know, the, the audience member probably doesn't realize there's a net and that's fine. Right. The performer needs to know there's a net. Right? And these can yeah. be as simple as, um, I mean, having a, someone else in the room, having the, I call it, I say the other, mm-hmm. where it's a non-character participant that is in the room watching. During haunted houses, the stage managers would do that. They would just be around and looking for the signal. Um, or a lot of people have used cameras, so they're constantly monitoring the situation, and they're close enough that they can go in and... if a, if a, something goes wrong within the storyline or if a prop breaks or something. I mean, I know, I, you know, for instance, (laughs) um, Spencer Williams, who does, um, guest, guest and the host, you know, uh, uh, that's, you're thinking Derek Spencer, Spencer Williams, too many Spencers, (laughs) uh, Spencer Williams, who does, um, uh, the guest and the host make music and, uh, tales by candlelight. Like there's, there's a, there's a vid cam. Like he's watching, this is, this is, you know, there's one, you know, performer artist and there's usually one, maybe, maybe two audience members yeah. and you know, they're, they're doing a storytelling session or they're making a song together. It's something where you're like, Oh, oh this is innocuous. Like, why would you need to monitor it? He is in the other room and he's, he's monitoring on video. He's doing other stuff as well as part of the show uh, and tracking stuff. But, but he's there, he's there for his for his, um, his his talent, right? Right. You it know? also protects against liability. If Absolutely. One, two people in the room, one person says one thing, one person says the other. You have a you have documentation yeah. of yeah. it. Yeah, and that documentation is so key. And I know I know that documentation has gotten, uh, m- you know, many a big show out of a bind. Yeah. 
Right. And for small shows, again, this is as an incubator space. Like, what can you do starting out? It's easy enough to, um, whether you have like a GoPro or whether you have a small camera, you can get the. Yeah, that's all Spencer has. There's this a little, there's a webcam that's probably like a $40 webcam. Yep. And there's a USB line to his laptop. That runs around, yeah. Or you can get door. The, the wireless um, cameras, security cameras that. There's a, like a five second delay on them or something, but easy enough to to put around. Yeah, and, and, and easy to hide, so easy it doesn't hide. break the world. Exactly, and and then it just gives you that peace of mind. Like right. you just you just know it's there, and it's like, is it a line item? Is it an expense? I mean, I sometimes feel that people are trying to do this stuff so on the cheap that they right. that they that they they, they sort of miss the mark, like. There, there are times it gets back to that. It's like a variation of the line from Jurassic Park. It's like, you know, you were so focused on <laughs> that you could, could we do it? <laughs> you didn't should. should. We do it? And there's like, like I'll see people like they'll get, they'll get like a space they can perform in and they're like, oh, great, let's make a show. And then they, what they do in there is like, that's not the show you should have made in there. You <laughs> right. know, like that doesn't work in that space. Like yeah. you gotta you think, think different. Um, uh, and, and it's a, it's a natural input impulse and like people trying a lot, of, a lot of things i think one of the advantages we have is there is a community there's a community of creators there's a community of fans uh, folks who are really uh, inquisitive and curious and tolerant and and willing to let people like screw up a bit yeah. in, in, in the quest to try and find something kind of amazing but then i also think we see that like as people try and scale their work we, we come up against some barriers and we we come up on some insularity that um that if the work is going to continue must be moved past well that i mean you mentioned it's the 16th but you there was also the uh post that article that neoproscenium put out today i believe um about yeah you know, how do we scale this how do we we get to the point oh you mean my thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we get to a point where just the 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 infrastructure the 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 sheer cost i mean I, sliding over into the speakeasy society a little bit, trying to think about that of how do we, how do we continue to pay our artists um, what they're, I won't say what they're worth because no, we can never afford that, but a respectable amount to honor their work, um, but still be able to make the show affordable right. for our audience to come through um, and to be able to to run a show, um, the the traditional theater where you can put five hundred people at a hundred dollars a ticket, sixty dollars a ticket, whatever, um, for immersive, it is the kind of the 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 fun of immersive is that interaction, is that one on one, is that. Um, the ratio of performer to audience member and with as that ratio is smaller how do we not have $500 tickets to a production just to cover the cost of the production yeah i mean i mean we may find ourselves in some cases seeing that like we we can't you right. know like it's just it's just not possible um and 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 sometimes i think about you know is is the way of scaling this look more like a Dungeons and Dragons, you know, right. where it's like this tool is developed, it is a kit, you can 
the people who've made the kit can then sell the kit and the tools for the kit to people and the people can put the stuff on right. wh- wherever they might be right i mean there was a there was a conversation that was had pretty early on uh in, in the community we were doing one of our brain trust nights and um uh, an executive from uh, i'll get a little vague here because you know it was, it was secret but like uh, it, was a, it was a private meeting but uh, an executive from uh from part of the theatrical infrastructure was like you know i'm interested in this stuff as what can we do to package it up how do we sell like we we deal in rights right. so how how would we what's the packaging on this how's how do you sell this so, sure. that, so that other people can produce it and so much of it so or, or like i'll go to something because i'll go to something like you know caitlin's bedroom play too yeah. and uh again a piece absolutely love again a piece that should not be done by anyone but kate and elizabeth like so particular to who they are but there's something in the structure of it right that other people could learn from or that they themselves Put could a, their slant on it, their personality into it yeah. yeah or that they themselves could like teach people how the, the pathways of developing it right right and and you know not you know Lots of people draw, lots of people dance, lots of people act. Not everyone is going to become, uh, you know, a, a Rob Liefeld, thank God. Uh, or, <laughs> so I guess or, this is what I'm, the, going back to the earlier question that I yeah. hemmed and hawed on, when I say, like, what is the trajectory of immersive theater in Los Angeles? We do what we do. Noah yes. Nelson. Are you... Oh, oh God. You're, uh, <laughs> no, you're turning, turning, turning it on, on me. Um, so do you, do you think that the kind of the trajectory is more education and now that LA is determining what our style of immersive is and we have we are becoming more successful um, artistically at that do you think that the trajectory of immersive in Los Angeles is educating teaching other people our style why that's part of it I don't think that's the the tip of the spear as it were, I think what I'm starting to see that's interesting to me is I'm seeing some artists from other disciplines enter into the conversation here uh, in performance. Uh, I'm looking at folks like uh, Corinne Ann Wicks, who was on the show uh, just last week as of yeah. this recording. Uh, and we might put this out this week, so it could be could be a nice little series. <laughs> it's very in the moment. We've talked about a lot of stuff this week. Probably should at this right. Uh, interviewing a couple other people, sure. Um, um, but very, very, a recent episode, if not if not the previous episode, um, you know, she's bringing uh, some some disciplinary stuff in uh, that's that's been out of the LA conversation. Uh, I also think that there's there are there are developmental lines. Um, in the work of Punch Drunk, in the work of Third Rail, even in the work of the Speakeasy Society, that even those those companies have kind of walked away from I- in order to pursue other things yeah. that I think deserve to be revisited, uh, because some of them had some of some of the the magic and the mojo, and there's a question of okay, but yeah, this this part here was hard to scale, right? But, How does this nugget? But what can we do? What what is it? I mean, I think there's there's things around the, the, the ideas of interactivity and agency, like. How do we how do we move that center of gravity, maybe into the audience a little bit in order to allow there to be more scale? How do we mash up something like 
an escape room level group in i mean it, it was a question i had three years ago in this it's like okay what's the medium-sized audience because you get something like sleep no more right. and they're putting 200 300 400 people through that pushing thing people time. out of the way yeah. and, and they throw an elbow and it and it and it sort of sucks and has the, the logic of a schoolyard brawl right. but it still works yeah. on on a financial level if nothing else <laughs> right. right you know maybe you want to thin it out a little bit but like maybe they maybe they could afford to do it with a few like to they could they could find a better temperature level so they're not so many people packed in like sardines. Yeah. But then you get something like Then She Fell, which is definitely locked to 15 people, right. right? Like they're not cramming any other people through there. And Lord knows there's there's some mojo there that's keeping them alive. And I rue the day their lease, you know, somehow comes up right. because that's that's going to be the death knell there. So hopefully never is the answer on to that problem. But, you know, what's what does a 30 person show look like? What does a 40 person show look like? You know, where, where can the ratio be? Where can the temperature be? Uh, how we're processing through. We still have a big issue with land here and available space. Right. Uh, we have it coming in two directions. We have it coming from the permit side and we have it coming from the landlord side in, in that it is just way more profitable uh, and less of a headache for someone who owns a nice piece of, of real estate that an immersive can fit into to just wait for a film shoot who are going to pay them way more money right. and, and, and not cost them as much to exist. That being said, um, uh, I think that in, in, in the next year it's about what are the other disciplines bringing in? What is, what is modern contemporary dance bringing in? I guess I should say contemporary dance because no one says modern anymore. It's a specific form. What is contemporary dance <laughs> bringing in? Uh, what is what are uh, music concerts like? Uh, there was an article recently uh, uh, that I that I only saw the headlines for. I'm one of those people too, um, where they were talking about how all the installation stuff that's being done at music festivals is going to be the major differentiator between your live nations and your golden voice and your insomniac right. because the 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 lineups are increasingly the same and having also just been to like kcon and seeing that like it really is about a company owning a bunch of acts and then putting those acts out there and it's the same content every time. Yeah. What's the in between? What's the yeah. yeah. What's the thing that's going to draw people in? What's the differentiator? Like what's going to make people want to go? And but we look at Coachella, Electric Forest, the Gathering of the Juggalos, Burning Man, <laughs> right? Like we look at these things and these all have a very healthy dose of art installations, immersive experiences, the theatricality, theatricality, right? At the end of the day, um, what's interesting about this as a discipline is a reimagining of what theatricality can be beyond the stage uh, and into other disciplines. I think right. one thing to look at uh, for certain is as that line on the digital side <coughs> gets... Uh, removed or blurred when we look at something coming up like the under presents which is coming out of tender claws um, and which uh, which is a uh, going to be released for the oculus quest and this is something that oh, got yeah. it, it got a it got a bow at Sundance uh, earlier this year and you know they had live actors performing um, using just the, the 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 same tool that the consumer was using to con to consume the, the interaction they had live actors performing and I know that that's going to be dropped out at some point and that there's there's ties to that developers here in Los Angeles and there's going to be 
there's ties to the community here uh, on our side of it, on, on yeah, the live side. These different disciplines start to pepper Con- themselves into the immersive community. Yeah. And we, yeah, it's just pushing in different directions and seeing what works in different styles yeah. and different, again, it's, it all comes it's back to scalability. Yeah. From a producer point of view, it's that scalability. How do we afford to continue to have intimate experiences? Well, and I, th- I, think, I think the key to the intimate experiences there is the intimate experiences are going to go in, in two directions. There's going to be more DIY stuff that's going to be relatively reasonably priced and, and relatively reasonably right. priced because that can make rent for those performers. Right. Like literally. And sometimes they're working in their own personal spaces. So literally make rent. Right. Right. And then I think we're going to see on the other end, we're going to see uh, a, a bit of a spike. Um, perceived value is always a thing. Um, but I also think like if, if we, can, if we can find that like 10 person, you know, what's the 10 person with the pull off, right? right. You know, yeah, and, it's and finding that the golden number. Yeah. You look at Broadway shows right now, like a play is what's the, the joke. You have five actors on stage, whatever the, the, any new, yeah any new play that has been written in the past 15 years, five people. Five yeah. actors. That's all we can afford. Yeah. And a musical is you can get up to twelve or thirteen. That's yeah. what you can afford. And so if you're doing Wicked, you just have to keep changing costumes. Yeah. Over and over again. Lim is just keep changing costumes. Yeah. And 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 that's not going to get any better. Right. Uh, <laughs> so what is that for immersive? What is that golden number? Yeah. Uh, but I think that you know for the for the one on ones for the professionally polished one on one, you know it's probably going to jump into like a even higher new tier um i also think it's it's the more floor space people have to work with in some ways like the easier it is because you can move more people through yeah Yeah, separate move people through you know you know you having things rotate around so like people like you know don't know there's another group behind them right? right like keeping a machine going um but that's been the thing that's been prohibitively expensive or or has been prohibitive on a permitting level so you know, um, I mean, I wish I was, I, I, but I am weirdly enough, like optimistic enough because we see, we see with some of the, you know, we, we look at something like Ghost Town Alive and how popular that is for knots. Right. And we look at some of the pushback on, you know, Galaxy's Edge and that people want, you know, some more. Uh, you know, immersive stuff beyond like using the phone app, right. you know, like they want more characters in the space. Like they want it to feel a little bit more alive. And we look at things like Evermore you know, in Utah where, you know, they're, they're experimenting with, you know, these kind of role playing game mechanics. I think, I think there is, there is some things around, you know, bringing in more game mechanics and thinking about, you know, how do you build a world and maybe thinking about how you, you do less, some stuff that's less scripted, but, but you're not just giving the agency. And this is, I think where people really make the mistake. They give a whole lot of agency to the audience. (laughs) I was going to say like, I'm all up for improv and as an audience member, (laughs) I'm the test audience that they put through that purposefully tries to screw things up. 
Like, if you give me full agency, we're going to go on a roller coaster. Right. Well, and also, but also, like, if you're not giving, if the performers don't have equal agency at the least to the, to the players, to the audience, right, right, then it's not going to be good for the audience because they're not going to be playing with, they're going to be responding to. Right. And uh, functionally, what it kind of really needs to be is like, for me, as someone who's done a lot of who did a lot of LARPing in his, in his college days. Like what I would want to see is each and every single performer in a setup like that had the same level of power as the, the, the game master for the whole thing. Like almost a director level of power. Sure. But that's complicated. It's complicated, (laughs) but, but if they know who their characters are, right. Right. It's gotta be, have that full backstory. It's gotta be, it's gotta be rooted. The the world has to make sense so that they can just react authentically. Right. And it's not going to break the illusion for everybody else. And that's, that's a different way of working. That takes a lot of development. Get back onto the, whatever your storyline is. Ultimately you're working towards an end point. Well, if the stories are really character based, right. And that's, I think another thing there is like, like people might shove in, might take a plot based thing and then try and you let people improv their way through it. You can't improv your way through a plot based thing, but you can improv your way through a character based thing. Right. Right. You make the motivate motivations are clear. The stakes are clear. Where did it go tonight? Right. So, and these are forms that have not been fully experimented. I think <laughs> the long way around, <laughs> always a Petri dish. Oh, LA, yeah. LA always will be a Petri dish. Yeah. I think, and that's where we're going. Like there's more elements entering in. There's more things that are crackling. Um, from a land point of view, other than at the level of the theme parks, you know, um, I don't know if we're going to see that punch drunk level show unless punch drunk comes in and actually drops a show. Like, I don't know if we're going to see that emerge out of our community only because, Oh, something's happening. Is there an issue? I don't know. All right. Should we, we're going to pause for a second. Hold on one second. <laughs> no, they're gone. All right. Yeah. If you say you don't edit, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So one of my venue managers, <laughs> uh, her voice is in the hallway talking about something. Uh, Rachel Caselli just yeah. peeked her head through the window and I think she's going to write it and hand it to me so it's okay. not to disrupt all of this. That's fantastic. But the fact that we're talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, punch Drunk Level Show. <laughs> Unless Punch Drunk drops down, I don't think we're going to see a Punch Drunk Level Show. Um, it's a sustainability within Los Angeles. The w- Looking at, I mean, I'm from the Midwest, Chicago, Kansas City, Austin, that sort of stuff. The there's definitely seasons where you're going to go to the theater. You're going to go to see that entertainment. LA has so much out here so much. that you're competing with even like the weather. Yeah. Like in the winter in the Midwest, you're going to go to the theater. You're not going to sit on your back porch in the snow. Yeah. Um, but here like go to the beach, well, go to walk around, sit well, in a cafe. We're also, we're competing with the theme parks. Theme parks. Universal, Knott's, Disney, right? Yeah. And that audience. And that's the thing that makes me optimistic is I look at that audience as our audience. As our audience who just... Right. who just the people tapping who, into that yeah, world. The people who want a little more, right? So it, and it doesn't have to be all of them. And it doesn't have to be all of them. Um, I, I think the reason why I say like we're not going to see a Punch Drunk Global show unless we get Punch Drunk is just because there's... I, I don't see anyone seeing the looking at anything that's going on right now um, 
and with, with, with very few exceptions um, and anyone saying, oh, uh, this is the thing we're going to pump a bunch of money into and, and land here uh, because, you know, and with, with pockets that are mad deep. Right. Right. Um, I think two years, I think before the ghost ship thing, before the permit thing, I think we were we were on trajectory for two or three of the local companies to be able to hit that because they were going to be able to sail through the things that have like hooked in like, you know, grappling hooks and right, drag them down. Permitting the city pushback. Yeah. It's really, really slow things down. So you know, when I say this, I'm not, I'm not knocking creep. I'm not knocking delusion. I think those are worthy, worthy productions. I'm not knocking what, you know, about Darren's been doing with, with tension and whatnot, you know, and they got, they got picked up by, by the Russos. Um, it's just the, the, the cities become more hostile from a regulatory standpoint right. to what's what's going on. And, and understandably, the, like I see where they're coming from. Yeah, it's not it's not unreasonable. Right. But it, how do we how do we work within that to yeah. ensure the safety of both of everyone involved? And the truth is, is that it costs a lot of money to get legislation pushed yes. through. So that's where the deep <laughs> pockets come through. So that's why it's like, it's I a lot of money to fill out a lot of paperwork. Yeah. And so it's why I see like, you know, Oh, if, if something drops in from outside, like the reason why I would, I say punch drunk is because we know they've looked at the pat in the past at stuff, but also they have shows running in New York. They have a show running in Shanghai. Right. Like they work at a different scale and there are definitely forces here in town who if they wanted to if the will was there in one of the triple letter agencies or in one of the super studios and if they said we're good by god we're gonna make this happen if disney tomorrow woke up and said by god we're gonna make it happen it would happen yes but they want it to happen at the park right that's the same thing with i would even say like the halloween horror night so you said the, mm-hmm. the knott's berry knott's farm yeah um like it's happening at the parks yeah but what is what's that pull out what is that yeah yeah and like they want people to go to the parks for that so like those those big concerns like they don't have a vested interest in that it takes well, then, it takes someone else that kind it. of turning a corner here immersive as marketing because that's what the parks that's what it does for the park you get the people in to do the immersive event, but then you're also like, they're paying the money at the gate. They're also buying food. They're also buying the merch. They're or the other way of immersive marketing, Comic-Con and the pop-ups. Right. There's a Downton Abbey pop-up at the <laughs> Arclight this week. That's there a multi-room. Is? Oh my God, I would totally go to that. And there was a Downton Abbey brunch at the Grove if, a couple yeah, of days ago. I was going to say, if there was a Downton Abbey meal, I would do. Yes. They, they, did the, they did tea the other day at the Grove. Nice. Juliet went. Yeah. Uh, send us some pictures. Um, I, I went, I stopped by the Arclight today to go talk to them and say like, Oh, who's doing this? And hopefully <laughs> I'm going to get hopefully email at some point and yeah. be like to go you know, just grab the assets. Right. I just want to take pictures. Like I, I, I don't want to do it for a very specific reason. Um, well, half the reason is because I stopped watching Downton Abbey after Matthew died because I was oh. like, screw this. Uh, it's and, worth a binge. <sighs> And then uh, I was really attached to that character, uh, so much so that it, it was only halfway through Legion that I was like, "Oh, it's oh, it's that's why I like him. It's Matthew. <laughs> that's why I'm so into him." Um, and then, um, 
and and then like uh, I, I I don't want to feel underdressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the that's why I don't go to the to the labyrinth of Jareth. I'll, I'll be underdressed. All this the, I mean, just down the street here, there is the whoever owns that parking lot. Like, good on them. But that always had the the pop ups. Whereas the oh, yeah. it experience and it was the Ready Player One was there, and then they've it done again, several, it again, some Yeti ice thing. Yeah, yeah they've done several things. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. People pointed out that like they keep on doing it, but they just don't show up anywhere else. I think it was a, the Josh Randall. We were having that discussion. Uh, I think on a recent episode, is like, you know, and when don't they? I never even thought about it. Is it <laughs> first just L.A. Second Blumhouse, just that corner? Well, no, not just that corner, but just L.A. Blumhouse years ago did, um, they did a, a purge thing and a purge escape room thing that they put in two trucks. And then the walking dead is also doing something in, in, in tractor trucks, but that sort of roadshow version of it has kind of dried up now, right now, uh, Microsoft is doing uh, a roadshow for halo, the video game, and it's showing up at convention centers. It's kind yeah. of like a halo con. Yeah. I don't know how much actual immersive stuff in it, uh, is. And then there's things like, you know, the museum ice cream and the selfie palaces, right. like that, that whole extension. And so, and there's, 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 yes, the selfie palaces that are geared specifically towards a certain product. Yeah. And, and there's, there's ways in which I mean, we, we cover those. We talk about them. This, this idea of, um, you know, this idea of like, you know, how, how are we creating spaces for people to connect? Right. Right. Um, and, and, and are we, are there actors involved in that process? Are there, is there a narrative involved in that process? Um, are, is there, are there values or an attempt to extract value <laughs> in that process? <laughs> right. right. Like, and I, yeah. What is the level of is, I guess the producing entity, but is it, what is the, the expected outcome? Are you yeah. putting people through to get a bunch of photos pushed out onto social media so that the rest of the country can see how cool this is? Are you, putting people through in order to tell them a story and have them engage with what the narrative is or with what the, the performance is. Right. Are you just putting up cool things to look at? Which each one has value, but knowing what, what are your goals here? Do you want people to exit through the gift shop? Right. You know, like what are you doing? I mean, I, I, I think of something like Oga's Cantina at, uh, Galaxy's Edge and how much I would love to be able to go to Oga's anytime almost anywhere mm-hmm. and know that that's that that there's there's a threshold where they maybe they could drop a few of those out into the wide world but at a certain point it would draw too much away from the parks right, right? Um, I think about something like the it houses that they've done and like how many of those could they honestly pop up if they weren't making something through the gift shop but also what is the point is it is it just to advertise something and push people towards uh, a TV show or a film and like a big franchise and marketing thing and get people in, get people engaged enough to continue to consume or, you know, is there some other value you're kind of putting through and this, this relationship between you know, commercial art and art right? and, and, and why are we doing these things? And, and, and how does that mix? Can we do both? Again, yeah. going back to like a regional theater point of view you do 
your big opening musical is Hello Dolly. <laughs> is I mean, the reason why we do Annie yeah. every five years is every Christmas we do Annie and people would just shell out money mm-hmm. to do Annie. Uh, to see Hello Dolly. Our taxes are due tomorrow. Right. You better believe we're going to make some money yeah. or we're done. <laughs> <laughs> but then, so and then on the second stage, you'd fill the thousand seat house with the Christmas carol. And then on the second stage, the black box, the hundred seat house. Right. Then you're doing tape. Then you're doing... Um, even, All these other Jack and Jill, these smaller shows. Even somewhere like Asheville and the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Right. Right. And they've got their big house and they've got their black box and like they're doing interest. They're still you, doing Shakespeare, but they're doing a weird experimental winner's tale over in the black box. You do the big corporate in order to make your tax money. Right. To pay your bills. And then you still have that art. You still have that, whatever that second stage is, where there's a five-person throughput. Yeah. It's the it's the Chris Nolan model, right? Mm-hmm. One for them, one for you, one for them, one for you, until you reach the point where you are the attraction, you are the right. draw, it's all for you. Right. Right? You know, um, and, and, and that was a dude who started out in advertising, you know? Like, he was... He was Making so ads, understanding before, the audience, yeah, understanding yeah. the audience, and also making that was how he's making his net. His first film uh, that made it to Slam Dance was something they took a year to shoot on the weekends, yeah, um, and has all the all the earmarks of something that was made that way, yeah. you know, like some inconsistencies and like haircuts, <laughs> you know, but it was still pretty good. And then that led to Memento, and you know that this kind of like scaling up. I mean, the the work. The, the the work work has been and, and and the slow i mean the the thing we've been trying to do and you know we've been trying to do and, and what you support us in trying to do is lay down that infrastructure so there can be the slam dance and the sun dance and right. uh be this pathway and so that the people who are making the interesting art can get hooked up with the experiential marketers you can get hooked up with the vr people right. and then have it go i think one of my grand frustrations is that you know the 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 VR and AR, all the XR stuff hasn't been adopted in a way that our talent pool can be rated readily. I think our talent pool is ready to be rated. I think it knows a hell of a lot of stuff that could make compelling experiences using that technology, but they're having their chicken and the egg issues. Even though there's also some incredible work being made and like Oculus stories, folks just won some Emmys over the weekend for, Wolves in the Walls, and oh, I yeah. think they also want to. Uh, I, I know they were there for Traveling While Black, and and hopefully I think they might have won uh, on the technicals as well for that. I know they won for Wolves. I can't remember if they did. It's mostly because I'm seeing people I know at the Emmys on Facebook, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's a really pretty dress. Yeah, I'm nice. like, oh look, yeah. oh look who you're with. That's amazing. It's like a selfie palace. They've done like, their job. Oh, <laughs> see, there you go. Um, the selfie yeah, awards. Oh my God, the is... selfie awards. Edit, 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 edit. Gonna take that one. No. Um, yeah. How do we? <laughs> Holy I mean, my God! Someone's gonna make a selfie palace called the selfie awards, <laughs> and I'm gonna not have that money. Um, <laughs> Next year, next year, we're doing it. We're putting. It I together. get a cut it's for ready. whoever makes it. <laughs> Trademark. John gets a taste too because he's in the room when it happens, <laughs> and uh, it's recorded, so we exactly, have proof. Exactly. But no, really, it's like you were saying. How do we come up with that infrastructure to as we go through and butt our heads against the walls, butt yeah. our heads against the 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 
things, problems, issues that have risen up, we've solved them. How do we then clear the way for the other um, creators who are next to us, coming behind us, yeah. who are going through and producing work? And then how do we, because and I'm looking at you, with all the, the connections that we have with the other communities, with mm -hmm. the, the LA community as a whole, how do we bring all those people together, get them all into one room? We have an event in the common room. Well, you know, there's, there's, um, by the time this airs, uh, there, there may have been an announcement about the, the successor oh, to yes. the, the summits that have been in the past. Yes. Um, I can't be certain. Uh, but, uh, it's been a, it's been a, a long slog on that. And that's, that's one of the times we do it. It's not the only time we do it. Um, uh, it's not the only time we do it as a community. It's not the only time I do it as a person. Right. Um, I think that, uh, and, and I think it's something that has to be replicated uh, in terms of the communities. Those cross-disciplinary communities have to come together in other places as well. We do have a unique ability here in LA because... We're all in LA. Because there's Silicon Beach. Yeah. And Oculus is over there at Facebook out there. Uh, in part, as well as being up north, and uh, there's there's the immersive theater community, and there's the theme park community, and there's the triple letter agencies with all the money, and all of the talent you need to make this stuff is here, right? And is often regularly being tasked to make things. Yeah. Where do they staff? Comic Con events are all staffed out of L.A. Yeah, all of them. I would, and then like, paid usually like San Diego day rates, even. I guess that we're in Hollywood. We are in East Hollywood, there but it's Hollywood. Within <coughs> within the past two weeks, Netflix has been here. Uh, the are they trying to buy another full wall theater? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. kidding, kidding, kidding. <laughs> come we want to show our things here for awards. So. There's been yeah. yeah. There's so many studios that just come through that they're needing that rehearsal space. They're needing that. The BuzzFeed was here filming in yeah. the space the other day. Um, so yeah, we're all the communities within blocks of each other. Yeah. It's just trying to get them all to come together into one room. I mean, half the problem is capacity for the show. Oh, yeah. Right. So like a show pops up. Let me give this piece of advice to everybody. I'm leaning in. Uh, you can't see it, but I'm leaning in. Save space for P and I press and industry, but really for industry, save a slot Hold your actors. Know when you're going to do your industry night. Have an industry night. Have an industry night. Now, maybe maybe your work doesn't really warrant it. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's bad. Maybe you shouldn't do that. But be prepared to do it. There have been times in the past where I've gone to a show and I have come out of the show turned right to the creators and said i have people i want to see this right like the connections i've got it's those i i want them to see your work producer tickets that's, that's yeah. producing 101 you always yeah. have yeah three tickets yeah stashed for every performance even when you're making like really low and that well another producer 101 
Um, think about, which is a diff- different issue, but just, just to throw out there, think about progressive pricing. It's your friend, right? We'll, right. we'll circle back around to that one. No one does it, except Chalk Rep does it, which is smart. Josh Randall's been doing it for Blackout and no one noticed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's sneaky. It's like the first 10 tickets are cheaper on any given night, on any given hour. If you get the first 10 tickets, like it's, it costs less because he wants to make sure that those, those are, are stocked, stocked yeah. right? People come in to me and say like, oh man, like people have bought out our back end, but like our first two weeks, it's like, yeah, that's what progressive pricing exists for. Right. Right. Like, you know, set, you know what your real price has to be. Great. That's what you open with. Raise the ticket price on the back end. Right. Right. That's how you do it. How am I ever going to make it? You're going to make more. Right. You know, like try and get this doctrine because if if you believe in your product, if you think your show is good, you want people coming at the beginning because in that word of mouth is going to power you. That's the big L.A. So much is you're not going to have it's all word of mouth. Yeah. You're not going to put a banner on a bus or put up a a billboard. No. But it's so much word of mouth. Getting the people in those first couple weekends. Absolutely critical. um, Or first couple performances. And then, yeah, as you raise your price, as the people come back, yeah, they missed out. But like to, they're willing to pay, yeah. I to mean, make it at that point. It's just it's it's, and I know some people will go like, but I can only make the show at the end. It's like, yeah, I know, and that's that's right. when it sucks. <laughs> it sucks for you for that, Sorry. but it sucks more for the show if there's only two people out of possible fifteen on the first weekend, and then you're turning people away on closing night, which yeah. is a thing that happens. Which is absolutely a thing that happens. Yeah. It's like, where were you? And the answer is, they may move around. It's like, oh, it's $20 cheaper. Great. I'm going to go catch that cheaper one. Yeah. Right? And sometimes you're also still kind of feeling the show out. So it's a little fairer in a different way. But out of that, you do that in part because out of that pool, you want to have those producer tickets because you want to make sure the industry people come. Right. Right? And you want to ask around, like, who's got those connects? And you might want to hold a night for it, you know? And, like, you're... You're, you're looking for that. It's a long game, right? It's not something that's going to necessarily happen right off the Sometimes bat. Sometimes it's a really long game. Yeah. But also, you know, don't... That's, that's, that solves for a particular problem. How do we get those people from that world in? And, and that's how you do that. Right. You make sure you've got the capacity to do it. And you make sure you're not just treating them as paying customers right. because you're, you're trying to get something more out of them. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know. You, you mentioned, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you've read the article yet, but like you mentioned the thing that I put out today. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the case, the, the case I make in there is that, and, and I found it an odd case to, for even me to be making, right? Because like, it, cause it cuts against, the intimacy of it. Yeah. Abandoned immersive theater. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was. So the, the structure is the idea is that there's, um, I was, I was trying to figure out like what lessons could we learn or what could we do to expand and broaden. And I sort of found myself thinking about medieval Europe's model of a, of a tripartite society of those who fight, those who pray and those who work. And right. I was like, well, what would be the equivalent, you know, today? And I came up with, um, those who make those who play and those who watch which is what you see in gaming, for right. instance, right? Be it digital or, or role-playing games, right? Something like Critical Role, right? There's the people who made D&D. 
there's the people who are playing D and D and there's people watching people play D and D. And this idea that there might be a way in which immersive could be entertaining to a passive audience. And this would not work for every show. Make no bones about it. Sure. This would not work for every show. But in the grand body of a company's work, you know, is there Can is there you do a intimate one off, but have three people watching that one off? I'm not sure that you can because you so suddenly... when you talk about the watching, do you mean well, because not necessarily the intimate stuff, but like you think about how do you go beyond? Because like if you get a moment, let's let's take let's take Johnny Cycle stuff for example, yeah. right? Someone gets turned to in a moment to become Johnny. Let's think about let's think about uh, there's a critical scene where that's structured a bit like a, a courtroom, yeah. And some people are pulled up to to uh, be interact used, to yeah. interact and be used, and everyone else is kind of watching. Right. Yeah. So like it's already happening there because there are people playing and there are people watching in that moment. Right. So how using this as a paradigm, how do you start thinking about the design and like and and granted for the truly intimate stuff, for the stuff where someone like like in Sleep No More, because like this this kind of goes in Sleep right, No More. That pull off. The people do the pull off. Right. But it also creates the room for the pull off. Right. And it even how creates. How do you create the space for the watchers? How do you create the space for the watchers? How do you? What role do you give to the players, right? And particularly if the players are playing customers. But when we look at gaming, right, right, the the biggest streaming and YouTube digital celebrities in the world are white dudes who play video games <laughs> and make funny noises while they do it, right? right? And and end the world uh, through fire and blood or whatever the hell they're all yeah. usually calling for in some evilness. But uh, sorry, maybe maybe I've got problems with some of those guys. Um, <laughs> maybe it just slips out because I cannot contain myself. Um, how how do we create that space? That also comes. I mean, so just in my mind, I'm like identifying people in different ways. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we do. Uh, in the Johnny cycle and we've done it in several shows before is marking people in, in, in a way. Yeah. So like in, well, we'll go back a little bit farther. The Kansas collection, chapter five, where you would come uh, dressed as your faction color. Right. Um, but then you also got a tag and you were marked in such a way, but could it easily be an identification of saying, I'm a watcher, I'm a player. I choose not to, I'm here to enjoy, but I choose not to interact and just having leads into that that world of consent right where i'm i'm here i'm with you i'm watching the show i want to be here i don't want to have a conversation yeah <laughs> i just want to watch but if there's an, an an identifier could it be as easy as that well there's a lot of possibilities well, you got and, me thinking now noah well good that's that's the point of that piece right? and the point of that that part of the conversation but like i, I also want to i want to qualify you know this this doesn't this doesn't solve the desire for the personal transformational experience that is often being right. sought. You could not do this with bedroom play or bedroom play too. Right. You could not have someone. I wouldn't want someone watching me go through that. Right. It's too personal, right? On an emotional level. It is very emotionally vulnerable. 
Um, and it does not hurt in those cases that I that I trust Kate Lane as a performer and can speak very truthfully with her. Right. And that it we blur into a zone. It's like, is this theater therapy or a magical rite? <laughs> Don't know. Right. I know that has the the order of theater oh. or a magical rite. If you know. Well, here's a question. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know the performer, if you didn't know Kate, would it have been a different experience? Yes. If only because just as comfortable. Uh, it would have been a different experience uh, for at least one chunk of it. Uh-huh. Um, for that one in particular, I did not love the. In- I was having. I was having difficulty with the injunction that was given the instructions ahead of time mm-hmm. in that I kind of partially rejected the premise, uh, but I felt, <laughs> but I felt comfortable yes. enough to try and meet Kate in the middle right. and in our exchange got more comfortable. We was able to, was able to bring my piece of it and, and, and together we kind of shaped it into how it would fit within what she was making. So it became a true kind of creative dialogue. And I don't necessarily know if I didn't, if I, without that pre-existing relationship, I might not have trusted that I could have gotten that that I could have given that right. The same way. Um, That being said, you, 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 if I got presented with a performer who is as equally kind of open and vulnerable as as she is, that performance, um, Uh, it, it's entirely possible, but I would say like low possibility. Flip side, that kind of thing of I'm going to give you questions. I want you to think about questions. And you're going to bring these questions to me. There are ways structurally to do it. And indeed, there have been productions. There are a lot of productions that fail at that, but there's also some productions that su- have succeeded at that right. and succeeded well enough that people think it's easy and it's not <laughs> um, to to then play with that material and create a dialogue. Fundamentally, at the end of the day, if you're going to be doing that stuff, it's not about the result. It's about what dialogue are you creating right, from getting that. There. Yeah. And are you willing to yeah. go there? There's so, several immersive experiences I've been to where I walk into a room seeing a performer for the first time and the performer <laughs> look, like looks at me and says, tell me your deepest, darkest secret. Yeah. Or like, well, I, I met no. you 30 seconds ago. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but what is that lead up to now when when but the flip side is like you you walk up and maybe you see perform you have seen before and they tell you that and then like maybe you do or maybe you play with them like it's an invitation right. to play but you know it's 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 can be an off-putting one right right whereas you're thinking about like how do we and and definitely <laughs> you are not going to be able to get people comfortable to play and authentically answer that question if there's also a class of people who are just there to watch then suddenly right. then suddenly it's the person who got brought up at the magic show right it's the woman being made then to dance in front of everybody right it's performative right. and we do not want that we we reject that as a premise right. you know we do not just want to put someone on the spot and the number one thing that people are paranoid about about immersive is like I'm not going to be dragged up on stage and put on a spot. I was like, right. no, 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 no. I'm not going to be embarrassed in front of I'm all not of these be embarrassed, people, right? right? So, how are you designing these experiences if you're going to involve those who watch, where either the people can fully opt out? And there was an interesting thing that uh, Corinne did at her show, which was uh, there were lays uh, available, and if at any point, at any point during the show, the you shroud of invisibility, you you didn't want to be interacted. You just picked the layup and put it on. Yep. And that was like, yep. you're like, oh, I don't want to be messed with. That's great. And then if, if later on you were like, 
I'm comfortable. I'm going to try this. I'm going to take it off. Right. That's a, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So not a, not a binary, not a, not a like, don't touch me button. Right. right? You know, but, uh, Hey, you know, this is here for you. You can indicate to everyone. I don't want to play right now. And as we run into, as we get new audiences and new people are exploring the art, first explaining to them what immersive theater is on the, on a base level. I mean, we've had just with the speaking society with our, our, our past couple productions of people coming in and not knowing what immersive is, but they've heard or with, again, with our wizard of Oz, um, piece, the Kansas collection, uh, there are people who are coming in for the folklore and not understanding what immersive was, but right. coming in um, and first explaining that to them and then, yeah, getting them comfortable. At, at first, I have several friends who are like, don't touch me. I don't yeah. want to be, I don't want to be touched. Yeah, no. But then once they're into the story, they're like, oh, this I know what this is. Yeah. This is not, you're not pulling, like you said, we're not pulling you, they're not pulling me up on stage and everyone's laughing at me as yeah. they're the comedians telling horrible yeah. jokes. Yeah. They're it's not a, strangling me. Right. You know, this like, is a different kind of interaction. I'm very much comfortable with this. Yeah. And, and you know, it is, it is fine and good that there are shows like blackout out there where it's like, here's all our rules. Right. This and is, it is what it is. And it is. And, and we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to move you aggressively yeah. and we're going to be physical with you. But here's our rules. Read our rules. We're closed. You don't mind getting ripped. Yeah. Read our rules. Read our waiver. Uh, know what you're getting into. And if you don't like it, don't come. Yeah. And it's like, that's that's clean. Right? Yeah. It's clean. And I know that people might react and say like, oh, but, you know, it's like, no, no, no. Like, like, that's for folks who want that experience. Right. And there are plenty of people <laughs> who yes. want that experience. There's also lots of people who don't want that experience and they can be served too. And the the two different groups should not be imposing, you know, like demands right, on one each other. Standard rule of yeah. like you have to do it this way. Yeah. No, it's like I think it's I think it's good that like a, a show like Blackout's just like no, like if you if you don't like the sound of that, this is not for you. It's like great. Like there's 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 no yeah. attempt of like oh, oh come on you should really give this a whirl. Right. And no, it's very much like you do not want this. Right. Like you do not if want you this. Don't. Which for the right person is like oh you're telling me I don't want it you know but like hey man that's that's between you and your god. Um, I can come out right now and say that I do not want that. This is not. I'm not personally. Yeah. I mean I'm, I'm on record. Ironically, if Josh has been like all eh, give this a whirl. I'm, no, no. <laughs> my life. One day, my life itself is enough of a, yeah. a whirlwind. <laughs> I don't need to. My my curiosity does rack up because like even my housemate Priscilla has been through blackout and like this isn't even her thing, right? right? Like cause she just lived in New York at the time when it first launched ten there years ago. There is that question. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah. So there's that the small part of me mm-hmm. who's just like, yeah. What if? What is it? But I'm sure that half hour before where I'm like ready to go in. My entire self would be going, "Don't do this." It it would be the two minutes before for me. Yeah, it'd just be like, "Oh God, what are you doing? What why, you why, why did you do well, this? Well, too late now." Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's why the word safety exists in that show. Yeah. And so, like, and I just I would feel no, I'd feel I wouldn't feel bad about calling it out. Yeah, I would just be like, "Safety, nope, done, wrong yeah. for me." Um, like, you know, that's fine. <laughs> um. But, but 
I think the way this this links into like these questions of like watching and these questions of of expanding the audience and these questions of the trajectory is like, you know, the thing as it exists itself, both here and in the rest of the country and abroad, is fairly diverse in terms of the content, right? Not necessarily right. in terms of who's making it, sadly, right? I think there's there's a lot that could be done to like welcome more voices into the space. Right. Um but it's 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 not one thing. And I think that's one difficulty is like everyone wants it to be one thing. Because if you know what it is you can sell it. Right. But like this this is that petri dish. It's mutating, and there's going to be a lot of different things that come out of it. Um, and and you know, but but ironically enough, and, and kind of speaking to like your own patterns as as a as a creator and as an infrastructure person, like a lot of opportunities for people who make this stuff to try on lots of different hats, for actors to have various different roles, for folks to both make horror pieces and comedy pieces and art pieces and commercial pieces and, and watching the careers of folks, you know, like, yeah, as they're creating different pieces as they're trying out different styles, even within the, what we consider the immersive where it's, is it a sandbox? Is it the dark ride? Is it the, like, what, what is the structure? How does this all, what happens when you mash them up? Yeah. What happens when you put them together? Oftentimes they break. Uh, right. <laughs> sandbox and <laughs> sandbox and dark ride do not like do not like each other. Uh, I do not recommend it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, well, the the fun thing is to come out and to be able to play within the structure. Again, tapping into like there are certain rules that should be followed. Like yeah, n- no loaded guns. All of your weapons should be <laughs> should be dulled. You should protect your audience and your actor. If someone is stupid enough, at some point, to use a loaded weapon, the uh, we had it had nothing to do with a loaded weapon, but did have to do with a a sharp object that should have been dulled. That too. The idea of I've known. Yeah, I know what you're telling. That that shouldn't happen. We should. We all know this. We all know this. I see college kids doing it. Like I, I, I. When I was a younger man, I did not think of college kids as college kids. I thought of them as college adults. Right. But I have now Still. twice seen college student performers use real blades in shows. Yeah. Uh, also, the idea that if something goes wrong, like you stop the show, stop the you break the narrative. If it's yeah. if something goes wrong, wrong. There's no reason to just break the narrative and make sure everyone's safe. Yeah, that's one of the biggest. My the the idea that the show must go on was that was coined by circus people. Yeah, when the trapeze artist that we were talking about earlier, yeah, when the trapeze artist fell and died, they would send the clowns out to keep the audience distracted. While they were, moving, While a dead they were body. moving a dead body, and then the next act went out so that the audience didn't panic. So the show must go on. Yeah, because there's because we don't have insurance. People die. Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes the show does not go on. No, no. What a cheery place to land. <laughs> <laughs> right? We have gone through. There's. We've been through quite a, a gambit on this. We've. Yeah. We've. We yeah. were smart to schedule an hour and a half because yeah. guess what we did. We did an hour and a half. We did the full thing. We did a full hour and a half. So 
John, how do people find you? That's a little, yeah, there's so many different ways. There's a, there's a hidden box that you have to go if you, I'll be sending out puzzles on Tuesday. <laughs> the best way to find Thymeli Arts is to go to our website, thymeliarts.com, T-H-Y-M-E-L-E-A-R-T-S.com. What is the Thymeli? I forgot to ask. Thymeli, I know the answer, oh yeah. but for everyone else. Um. The, so the Thymeli is, there's a couple different ways that I got to it for this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, in the Greek theater, the altar to Dionysus uh, sits in the middle of the Greek theater. And which is the reason why we do theater is to, for Dionysus. Mm-hmm. But there's the platform that the altar to Dionysus sits upon. And that platform is called the Thymeli. So Thymeli supports the arts. There you go. Noah, thank you very much for having me on your uh, on your show here. This is great. Thank you very much for uh, sheltering us and uh, giving us a uh, an address where people can send us physical spam. Spam, send spam. We'll make a castle out of it, and then we'll have a little selfie selfie palace of Noah and his spam. <sighs> Five four eight one Santa Monica Boulevard. Attention, Noah. It's gonna happen. Once again, I want to thank John for being on the show today. You can find everything you need to know about Thymeli Arts over at thymeliarts.com. All right, this has been a long one, so we're going to skedaddle out of here and do the closing credits. Um, just remember, uh, if you need anything, anything at all, no, sorry, that's the end of a labyrinth. Um, if you need anything, uh, we're over at nopersinium.com. You can also find our Facebook group, everythingimmersive.com. Uh, that's how to connect with us in the easiest, simplest way to uh, conceive of it. Uh, I say as I flip through tabs to make sure I get to the right part of the credits. Here we go. Um, also, if you have um, the show you want us to know about, uh, pitches at nopersinium.com is the email to send uh, your press releases to. Uh, uh, there's also an Airtable form, which you can find uh, usually linked in our, our pieces. Um, okay. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Samuel Mystery. Uh, you can find us at No Persinium on Twitter and Facebook, at No underscore Persinium on Instagram, uh, where you will find regular takeovers of the stories part of the account from uh, just the world of immersive theater uh theater companies taking over all the time and we archive those so uh, if you want a taste of what's going on in the immersive world follow us on instagram again no underscore proscenium on instagram that's it i'm your host noah nelson and until next time i'll see you at the show